Welcome back, faithful, to another episode of the 49 Away Podcast. On this episode, myself and Chevy will break down the Jimmy Garoppolo situation as it turns out. Jimmy G is going to be a Niner after all. We're going to delve into that situation and talk a little bit about that. We'll talk injuries as the injury bug continues to spread, which is not good as we're just two weeks away from week one. We'll talk preseason a little bit as the preseason is now wrapped up as the Niners took a tough one to the Houston Texans last Thursday night, 17 to nothing. We'll talk a little bit about that. And then we'll talk about the roster cuts as the roster will be trimmed down to 53 guys this week. We'll talk about some of the position groups that we think are going to be the most intriguing to watch for come roster cuts. So keep a lock. Stay tuned. We got a lot more 49ers talk coming your way. And don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more Niners news and analysis. Welcome back to the 49 Away Podcast, Faithful. You know the drill. Preseason's now in the books, and we're looking ahead to the 2022 NFL season, which starts in just two weeks from today. The Niners will kick off week one at Chicago. So we got this week, the roster cuts going down this week. So we'll talk a bit about that as well. Some injuries and then some insanely whack news that just dropped like literally 20 minutes ago, hot off the press. We'll get to that in a second. Jay Sahota, Zach Chevy, season around the corner, my guy. How you feeling after preseason? Roster cuts this week. How you feeling? Yeah, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, it's been a strong preseason. You know, usually like last year we were looking at a lot of position battles, whereas this year there aren't that many position battles to look at. So it's been interesting to see uh, how the starters have been kind of given their rest. And uh, it's been it's been an interesting preseason because we've got to see a lot of the depth, which has been uh, much improved from previous years. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm not really sure how uh, the season outlook is, considering that we haven't really got to see much of the stars and stuff like that but I'm not really too worried because this team is deep man and we just got talent left right and center so I'm excited to get into the season and man I've waited so long to watch some football I'm so excited to see the Niners and the rest of the NFL start up again no doubt and this is not the breaking news that we're going to talk about in a second but other breaking news Chevy will be in the building Week one, yes, as sir, Soldier Field. So, Chicago. so that post game should be good, knowing we will have insights from somebody in the building. So that should be a good one. Looking forward to that one, man, and excited for you to be in the building for that. And obviously, like I- I'm with you, and especially with like the last two preseason games, there's really not much to talk about. To be honest, like we beat the Vikings seventeen seven, and that was primarily the backups that played that game. And then last week, we get shut out by the Texans, where the starters played a little bit. And you can tell there was some rust there, which makes sense. And obviously, you know, Debo obviously has sat out most of the offseason training and stuff with, you know, the contract stuff. So, you know, you could tell, you could see he was a little rusty. Trey was still a little rusty at times. The O-line was a mess. And we'll get to that in a little bit as well there. I'm, not, I'm still not too worried about it, but we'll obviously get to that in a bit. And then the running game, I thought was fairly decent. I thought Jeff Wilson looked all right. But obviously, Elijah Mitchell will be back week one, hopefully. But the injuries are a bit of a problem at the moment. And we'll get into that in a little bit as well. But we got to start the episode with the news that was straight off the press right now. So you're getting, I'm just, so for anyone listening to this, you are literally getting this like 
like a fresh take on this situation because one is dropped like literally 20 minutes ago. And then number two, I haven't even had a minute to process this Chevy. I don't even know if you've really had a thought or had a minute to process this. So after several months of assuming that Jimmy Garoppolo will get traded, we thought he was going to India at one point. We thought he was going to Pittsburgh at one point, maybe Atlanta at one point, all the damn teams you could possibly think of. We thought Jimmy Garoppolo was going to get traded at some point. And it even got out. Literally, I was even sitting earlier today and I was like thinking about the possibilities. I'm like, roster cuts are coming. Like, I don't know. I, 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 as much as I didn't want to accept it, I was starting to get my mind in, in the, in the way of, of accepting the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo may very well be a Seattle Seahawk by next week. And we may end up playing him twice a week. And I mean, I would never want to accept it, but that was honestly a very a very high possibility of that happening. Wrong. Jimmy Garoppolo is remaining a 49er for what it seems like for the rest of this season as a backup or he's inactive. I have I I don't I literally don't know. Chevy, let's get your take on this first and then I'll go after because I don't yeah. even know what to say right now. Like I'm I'm confused as hell. Like what the hell is going on right now? Yeah, so the exact tweet 35 minutes ago from Adam Schefter says that Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers agreed to restructure a one-year contract that will keep the QB in San Francisco for this season. The contract contains a no-trade and no-tag clause and assures Garoppolo will remain in San Francisco and will have the freedom to leave in 2023. Now, I look at this in a couple ways. One, it looks like, all right, Jimmy is willing to take a backup role for the Niners, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Trey is the guy in San Fran. We've talked about it all offseason. We talked about it even like last season, saying Trey will be the guy for the Niners. Having Jimmy as a backup option is not a bad thing. We know how the Niners have dealt with injury history in the past. If Lance gets injured, you have a proven winner and a guy who knows the offense and the system really well in Jimmy G. If he's your backup quarterback for the whole year, by all means, that's, that's fine by me. He is a great locker room guy. He's someone who's been around the team for so long. He's been there and he has familiarity. If Lance somehow comes out and starts the season and is awful, is that going to be a distraction? Probably. Will they switch to Jimmy G? I do not know, and I don't know the answer to that. And that's something that may happen later on. But that is something to look at, especially when uh, looking that he is staying in uh, San Francisco. However, one big thing is, yes, he has a no trade and no tag clause, which means he is gone after 2023 no matter what. But even with a no trade clause you can still get traded. Let's say a team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers loses Tom Brady in the middle of the season and they're contending for the playoffs. They want to win. They need a quarterback. Let's say Jimmy G wants to go to Tampa Bay. He can waive his no trade clause to go there and start right now, right away. So it's kind of a win-win for the Niners and Jimmy G. Uh, Jimmy G is now only at $6.5 million, which is manageable for the Niners under the cap, which is exactly what we needed. And the same thing, if uh, the Niners, if they get in the situation where a team desperately needs a quarterback, you can now get the draft capital that you thought you were going to get 
for Jimmy G later in the season. So I think there's a lot to break down there. But, uh, you know, it's definitely a wild signing. I haven't really been able to process it, but I'm just kind of, you know, spitballing the way it looks to me. That is true. And thank you for at least breaking down that whole thing there because that at least gives me a better idea as to the whole situation there because I was thinking they're just going to keep him. And then obviously if a midseason trade came about, boom, they'll trade him then. It's just a way to keep him on the roster for now. But if there's a no trade clause, then that, yeah, is it really is a win-win situation because that's the Niners aren't just going to trade him anywhere. It's if Jimmy truly wants to leave and there's an opportunity that serves him, which I think is fair. If you're going to trade Jimmy, don't do him dirty. Like I know the, a team like the Texans was in multiple rumors this offseason. Hell nah. Jimmy doesn't deserve to go to Houston. If he deserves to go somewhere, he deserves to go to a contender. Number two, this really screws up the whole situation of him going to Seattle, which makes me a lot more comfortable because if there's a no trade clause, I doubt Jimmy's going to want to go to Seattle. Like that's not a hot destination at the moment. Number two, Jimmy does not become a free agent until after this season, which if Geno Smith continues to be the quarterback for Seattle, more than likely they're going to tank. Seattle's going to end up with a top five pick and, and pick a quarterback of the future. So, that is an option too. Now, of course, Jimmy could go there, be a quarterback for a year, but like, let's be real. Does Jimmy really want to do that all over again? Probably not. So that's something to kind of keep an eye out on there. Having Jimmy as a backup, I'll say this one, is it kind of weird? Absolutely. I mean, I can't imagine what it's weird for him, but you know what? It's better than not being a part of a team and not doing anything. Jimmy's a team player. He's a leader. You said it yourself. We've been saying it for months now. That's just who Jimmy is. And if he wants to continue being a part of a team that's a Super Bowl contender, help Trey develop, then so be it, right? If that's what serves him well and it serves the team well, which it absolutely serves the team well, because you know what? If something happens to Trey Lance, guess what? We're not screwed. <laughs> We're not screwed. If Jimmy is our backup, if something ever happens to Trey and we have number 10 as our backup, I'm not worried. Like, I'm not going to sit there. Whether if Jimmy had been traded by now and we had Sudfeld as our backup, be like, well, there goes our season, right? Same thing we had two years ago when Jimmy went down. We had, were stuck with Mullins and Beathard and automatically we're like, all right, well, we're done. Last year was a little bit of a different story because, well, we got Trey as our backup. I think we can live. But obviously, Trey was a rookie. So that's different. This is a whole different ballgame when your backup took you to a Super Bowl and an NFC Championship game. This is 110% a win-win. And honestly, a guy like Kyle Shanahan can go to sleep at night comfortably. Because I can tell Shanahan, this is a sixth season as the head coach of this team. And he has had to deal with injuries nonstop. And I can already tell this season, which we'll get into in a few minutes, the injuries are getting to him again. And it's like, how, many more, how, how much longer am I going to have to deal with this? At the quarterback position, it's the most important. If something, God forbid anything ever happens to Trey, at least you have Jimmy there as an insurance policy this season, and you can still contend. That, I think, is one of the most important things to put there. But is it a weird situation? No question. This whole offseason has been a weird situation at the quarterback position. And yet, here we are after all that. Jimmy Garoppolo looks as if he's going to be the backup and we're going to find out week one at Chicago if he's suiting up and he's active week one, right? Like that that's the real way we're going to find out because Jimmy didn't really need to take part in the offseason 
workout. You know what I'm saying? Jimmy didn't really need yeah. to, but like he, that wasn't like necessary. You know what I'm saying? He already knows the playbook. He already knows all of the stuff. Yeah, you make an interesting point about Jimmy G making uh, Kyle Shanahan feel a bit more comfortable because Kyle Shanahan is probably, you know, as one of, like, I love Kyle Shanahan. I think he's a great head coach, but I think he's on the hot seat. Uh, that entire Ooh, that uh, that might have on the hot seat. That might have been it, one of it, the hottest takes okay, I think you okay. said. Of the spot. I, I think the I think the entire regime is on the hot seat because of the Trey Lance pick. Okay, no now, doubt, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, that that's what I meant. I didn't mean like he's on the hot seat right now. I'm okay, glad of that pick, glad glad yeah, you took five seconds to clarify that. Yeah, yeah, but uh, because Trey Lance, they're in the hot seat. So if Trey Lance doesn't do well this year and they didn't have Jimmy G as the backup option. As you said, Nate Sudfeld and Brock Purdy are your next in line. You know, as Shanahan, you're kind of, you know, you're not as comfortable with that. And if that's the case and Lance isn't doing well and you're losing, you're going to have to make the switch. The biggest reason, we don't have our first round pick. We traded three first round picks in order to select Trey Lance. So because of that, you're in win-now mode. If Trey Lance isn't it and you're not winning games, you're on, you're, your job's on the line. So as you said, it definitely makes Kyle Shanahan feel a bit more comfortable, but it also shakes up the quarterback room. Is Brock Purdy now guaranteed a spot on this team? I think he looked great in preseason. And I, I think agree. he's someone that they definitely should keep. Maybe it's in a practice squad practice role, squad. most likely yep. in a practice squad role. But can you keep four quarterbacks? I don't know what the answer is. So it's going to be interesting to see what the roster cuts are coming uh, coming up soon in this next week. But uh, yeah, it, it definitely makes Kyle Shanahan feel more comfortable. Yeah, no question. And to your Brock Purdy, I like Purdy. He, the kid's got game. Yeah. He's got a strong arm. He's accurate. He's super young still. I 100% see him getting a practice squad spot right now. I think he's still a little ways away from fighting for a backup spot. Next year, I don't see why not. I think absolutely he's got a shot at the backup next year. Um, but I really liked what I saw out of him. Sudfeld is just like bottom line. Like, did he look a little bit better this preseason? Yes. But like, him between him and Jimmy as my backup, it's night and day. So, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, prior to this move being made, I'm obviously assuming, like, our whole fan base is that Sudfeld is our backup. I'm thinking in my head, oh, Lord, have mercy. If something happens to Trey, it's over. Like, we're done. We're going 5-11, and 11, and that's a wrap, and we're going to be – whoa, I'm sorry. We're not going to be drafting in the top 10 again. It would be Miami drafting in the top 10 again. Yeah. So, I – you know what I'm saying? It just – it wouldn't make anybody feel comfortable without any – you know, with all due respect to Sudfeld, but having Jimmy there, like I said, if something, God forbid, everything, anything happens to Trey, you stick Jimmy in there and you can literally still sit there and be like, we can still be playing in Arizona in February. Like, that's a rarity to say that. The only team that could honestly say that is the Philadelphia Eagles because they did it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no one else that I can really go back to say. And ironically, Carson Wentz went to North Dakota State. Trey Lance. Okay, I gotta shut up now. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I gotta stop now. Anyways, um, the point taken here is just like it's uh, it that the whole the whole thing's just hella weird, honestly. But we'll we're, we'll find out really when the cuts actually happen as to where this exact situation stands. But from what the contract details kind of point out, it looks as if that Jimmy has agreed to be our backup quarterback. 
which again is, you know, that says a lot about him. If I'm being honest, like everyone can say, oh, this is a lot about what the Niners want to do. To be quite honest with you, this says a whole lot about Jimmy Garoppolo. As per usual, as this, we've learned a lot about who the dude is for the long time. People can go, Twitter's going to go off and on and on. Why would they do this? Why would they do that? Look, the biggest thing at the end of this is about money, right? The biggest thing was the whole cat that, that Shanahan probably said it like a thousand times over the past two months. The cap hit and how much money he costs, and they got to spread the money, you know, the Debo and Bosa and yada, yada, yada. But now you don't have to worry about that because you restructured the deal. Now his deal is only worth $6.5 million opposed to $27 million. Like those are two completely different numbers yeah. right there. Now you have Jimmy on your roster. You got a Super Bowl caliber quarterback as your backup, and you're not having to worry about the financial situation. So is there really any harm here? No, not really. Now, one thing I want to highlight before we move on here that you kind of highlighted a little bit is the fact that if Trey struggles, Jimmy comes in, I would say that's the worst possible scenario that happens. And I say that, no, go go ahead. I I agree. But at the same point, that, so the, as great as this was in having him at stay as the backup, all this is going to do is fan the flames if Trey Lance underperforms. Oh, you know, there's there's going to be conversation, even probably from us. Is it time to start Jimmy G if Trey Lance sucks? So, Who would have thought? Who would have thought, huh? Yeah. Who yeah, would have thought? The, the absolute irony of this whole situation. If that happens, Chevy, if that actually it's happens. Gonna happen. I'm it's going to happen. Like- I, will, I will say it right now. I will mark my words. If it's us or it will be discussed at some point is when is the time for Jimmy G to come in if Trey Lance is not uh, amazing right away. That would be one of the like most ironic full circle moments. Yep. I think in my like 15 years of being a Niners fan, I think that would have to be one of the most ironic moments. And I'm going to do nothing but but post gifts on Twitter for like that entire period of time that that happens because it's like y'all are morons and i and i've said that about our fan like look i love our fan base i love how passionate we are we're one of the greatest fan base in all the sports but when it has come to this quarterback situation quarterbacks in general nobody oh my lord i think it was i think it was john from now on the clock podcast when he came on months ago back in like november he said it best nobody's good enough except for joe montana if you are not Joe Montana, you're not good enough. And that's exactly what it's been like. So this is it's not like this has been going on with Jimmy Garoppolo. And you know who actually said it? But Shanahan went on the I Am Athlete podcast about a week or two ago. And he went on there and put a hot ticket and said, Jimmy Garoppolo has been the best Niners quarterback since Steve Young. And I agree with that 110%. Just bit not the athlete, but what Jimmy Garoppolo has accomplished. Could not agree more. That's That's facts. That's literal facts. He has done that. And then I put Kaepernick probably right behind him. But that's kind of where, where that is. here. So if that happens, yeah, like that, like, I I mean, I don't even know how I'd feel about it. Just like the, the absolute irony from last year to this year would be hilarious. But I say if we get to that point, it would be horrendous. It'd be a really, really bad look on our regime, on Shanahan, on Lynch, and Lance himself because it's not going to do your like himself good. Trace 22, this is first year. If he struggles, it should be, he's our guy. He's going to go through growing pains. It's going to happen. Don't go, obviously, you know it. The fan base is going to go and start Jimmy, start Jimmy, blah, blah, blah. But you you have to understand this. 
Trey Lance is going to go through these problems. He may throw two or three picks when we play the Rams. He might struggle when we're playing Tampa Bay. Like, Trey Lance is going to struggle at points in time. Like, week three, we're going to the mile high on Sunday night football. You don't think that's going to be a hard task? Unless he goes out there and performs well, well, then that says a lot about Trey Lance and this team. But expect him to struggle at times. And don't be calling Jimmy Garoppolo's name if he struggles. Yeah, but what happens if the Niners start off one and five? Uh, one in six, and they're with that poor record as a team without their first round pick and a team looking to do well. Does Shanahan bite the bullet and start Jimmy G? Then they need to win. That's yeah. something that will definitely be discussed throughout the season if he does start poorly. But you know what? Enough about the quarterback talk. This is something that's going to happen throughout the entire season. Let's bring up some uh, former 49ers news as Joukowsky Tart was released by the Eagles today. And that's something that, you know, as a Niners fan that hurts the CI, I wish Tart all the success. But as a Niners fan, it's also a bit intriguing. You know, have Jimmy Ward, who's out at least the first four weeks of the season, do you bring Tart back on a veteran deal, a veteran minimum deal, to play him next to Funga, or are you going to keep with Traverius Moore, George Odom, or some of the other guys that uh, you signed? So it's it's going to be interesting, but he's another option available for a former Forty Nine er. I think that if this was a long term problem with Jimmy Ward, I I think Jaquaski Tart would be signed tomorrow. But because Jimmy Ward is only out for the first three, four games, and hopefully that's all because Jimmy Ward is a massive part of this defense, I don't think Joukowsky Tart will end up being a Niner. Having said that, absolutely. like I would 100% bring him back if needed. But we did go out and we did sign George Odom, who's a veteran, and he's been playing good football this preseason. We also have Tarvarius Moore that people forget about. That I know D'Amico Ryans and this and this defense really liked our various more. And then we literally just signed Tayshawn Gibson, who's been a, a veteran in this league for a minute now. Those are three capable guys that can step in for Jimmy Ward for four games. You know what I'm saying? Like, I yeah. don't think it's the end of the world there. So for that reason, I don't think we bring back Kwaski. Although, does it make sense? Absolutely. Like, if you need a guy to plug and play for a few weeks, no doubt. And we already know Kwaski's unreliable when it comes to staying healthy anyways. But at the same time, I think Kwaski deserves to go somewhere where he'll start permanently. Like, he's a good enough player. I don't know what happened in Philly. I know he was out for a majority of the preseason due to some, like, personal reasons. I think he was sitting out for some time. So maybe that might have been a reason for his release. I'm not really sure the problem there. But... I think if there was a long, if this was a long-term thing with Jimmy Ward, I'd say yeah. I think Jaquaski Tar would honestly be signed by this week. But I because it's only a four-week thing. I think whether it's Moore, Odom, or Gibson, whoever steps in, I think will be fine. Yeah, I agree. I do think that uh, you know even with uh, Jimmy Ward out, we don't necessarily need Tart. But again. Injuries will happen. They always do. Having more depth, especially if no one else is looking at him and we can get him back for cheap and we have that cap space, maybe because we now uh, restructured Jimmy G's deal, that's something we could potentially look at. But yeah, as you said, I'm comfortable with Hufunga, Moore, and Odom rotating uh, our safety position for the first couple of weeks. But bringing in Tart would be nice. Yeah, no, no doubt. And I, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll end up seeing what happens, but I, I just don't, 
I don't think it will end up happening. But spe- speaking of that, like speaking of the injuries itself, like I, I don't know, man. It's I can tell it's getting to Shanahan. I'm not gonna lie, it's kind of getting to me now too with the injuries. Like it's getting a little bit of a problem in terms of the amount of guys that have been banged up right now. So we got Elijah Mitchell who's banged up. Debo now apparently has a knee bruise. I don't know what the hell he was doing. We got McGlinchey who had a bit of a setback with his knee injury. Brunskill still battling a hamstring. Um, who else here on defense, right? Jimmy Ward's down with a hamstring injury. Charverius Ward is now coming back. That's a good news there. Oren Burks got banged up a little bit. Special teams, guys. So the Niners are battling the injury bug a little bit, which, of course, is nothing new. How concerned are you in any way here with any of these injuries? I'll be honest. There's only one specific place I'm more concerned than others, and that's the offensive line. Everywhere else, I think we're fine. Yeah, I mean, I'm concerned in general that this is probably the third straight year where we're dealing with a lot of injuries, especially Mm -hmm. to start the year. Like, I'm not sure who necessarily the Niners uh, medical staff is, but and if they've been with us the last four or five years, but clearly the pattern of Niners injuries has not been great. And that is something you have to question. Uh, McGlinchey, I believe I saw news that he did practice today, which is oh, thank fantastic God. news. Exactly what we need to hear, especially as you said, the not, the Niners can't take a hit uh, on the O-line, especially at the tackles. I don't trust McKivitz or Moore or Skull or whoever enough to step in there. Uh, if we lose one tackle, fine. If we lose both tackles, you might as well just call the season there. I mean, the injuries, they are concerning. And I do think there's something to monitor. I do think they're not going to be as bad as we think. Uh, Debo Samuel will most likely be ready for week one. Elijah Mitchell, it sounds like, will be ready for week one, which is good. But if Elijah Mitchell's not there as much as, as great as Elijah Mitchell was, the Niners don't need Elijah Mitchell to win games. We have a way of using our running backs where I think – so uh, a big name I want to point out is Trey Sermon. At almost every Trey Lance snap, Trey Sermon was there in the preseason. And that's usually more telling than an actual person's performance as to how the coach likes to set up the play, who the coach likes to use going into the regular season. Uh, Sermon, it, it, he also is different uh, than in a lot of our backs. He, he is that more of that powerful back, that guy who's probably going to go for the inside rush. And with Trey Lance at quarterback, instead of Jimmy Garoppolo, you want that different look. So I think Trey Sermon may see more of an extended role than a lot of uh, Niners nation that is giving him credit for. So you're, so you're saying Trey Sermon is going to make the rosters what you're saying. Well, yeah, he's definitely going to make the roster. I'd be shocked if he didn't make the roster. So then you're saying, uh, so then you're saying, Jermichael Hasty's going to take the hit and he's going to get cut. Probably, I'm wow. pretty confident Jermichael Hasty's going to be the guy taking the cut. I mean, wow. like you've seen, Trey Sermon's been getting all of the looks in the preseason. Jermichael Hasty got zero carries last uh, uh, the in the last game against the Texans. I don't see a place where he is the person still there. I'm I just realistically, like, I don't know. You you look at their backfield. You look at Jeff Wilson Jr. He's been solid. Elijah Mitchell, obviously, you're keeping. You just spent a third-round pick on TDP, and you spent a third-round pick last season on Trey Sermon. And you probably drafted Trey Sermon, similarly the reason you drafted Aaron Banks, 
thinking ahead of when Trey Lance is going to be there. Uh, so I do think Jamichael Hasey is going to be the odd man out. Wow. That's interesting. Like, I don't, uh, I don't know, man. Like, I, I have this weird feeling that Sermon's going to get cut. Like, I don't know why. I just feel like Jamichael Hasey's been in the system longer, and I feel like they already know what a lot about him, and that's why he didn't get a lot of touches. And that's kind of why they why they went with Trey Sermon to try and give him more touches to kind of really see like to have him prove himself. And I didn't see a lot from Trey Sermon. I didn't see a lot from him where I was like, damn. Like there were moments where I was like, okay, I really think he's gonna do something. But Elijah Mitchell's their guy. Jeff Wilson started the game, so you know he's gonna be running back too. Ty Davis Price. I ain't even gonna lie. I like this dude. He's big. He's strong. He can hit guys like. I really like what I saw out of Ty Davis Price. I like him as three. I kind of see it coming down to Hasty and Sermon. And not only that, but Jermichael Hasty can also play special teams. And he's good on special teams. So that's the only thing that I see that I just don't really see it from Trey Sermon. I don't. And it's it's a bit of a bust of a pick if you ask me. I could be wrong. Maybe you're right. And Sermon ends up making it. You honestly never know what they're thinking. I think... I honestly think that they played him more because like we need to see the most out of him because they already know what they have in anyone else. Like I don't think Ty Davis price even really had many touches in that last preseason game either. So we'll, I mean, we'll end up seeing and finding out, but I think that's definitely one of the more intriguing, intriguing position spots is who ends up, who do the Niners end up keeping a running back? And it very well, I think may come down to the two guys that we just mentioned sermon and hasty. I think everyone else is pretty good. But it could come down to those two guys, and it's going to be interesting to see which one they end up keeping. Because I feel like either way, if they cut Sermon, it's like, wow, what a like epic fail of a pick. But if we keep Sermon, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised and be like, oh, so we are keeping Trey Sermon. We'll see what he's doing. Uh, see, I, I just see you don't spend third-round capital on a player and cut him the next season unless there's major locker room problems or you don't think he can take it to the next level. I, mm. I just really don't think that uh, they're going to give up on Trey Sermon yet. They didn't, as I said, kind of like the Aaron Bates pick. I think they drafted him more for Trey Lance's offense than they did Jimmy G's offense, which is why Trey Sermon d- had a diminished role last year. I mean, at the same point, Shanahan loves putting people in the doghouse, so you never know who's going to be in the doghouse, and that kind of happened with Trey Sermon last year. But I, I don't, like, I, I just don't see them giving up on him yet. Next season, if he again, if he has an underwhelming season, I don't think they'll bring him back next season, especially after spending a third round pick on TDP. But I just, I just don't see it. I think Jamichael Hasty's the odd man out. He even when Jamichael Hasty has been on this team and has performed well, he has never been the guy for the Niners, even when they've had all of their guys injured. So that is also telling in his however many years here that he's never been the guy. Whereas I think Trey Sermon has that slimmer, sl- sliver of a chance to be that guy. So we'll see, but I, I definitely think Sermon's going to win the job over Jermichael Hasty. Wow. Well, it'll be interesting, man. Like I'm honestly looking forward to it. Like, I, I'm curious to see who they end up choosing. Cause don't be wrong. Like I'm rooting for Trey Sermon. Like I want him to make the team. I want him to be explosive because everybody who's in this system feasts you know what i'm saying elijah mitchell mm-hmm. took advantage of it jeff wilson took advantage of it like you gotta also remember elijah mitchell was a six round pick dude's now our starter dude's just unreal what he does and he and you can tell he feeds off of this system jeff wilson was the same thing dude was an undrafted 
rookie. He comes in, he worked his way up the depth chart to end up being a key part of this team. Ty Davis Price was picked in the third round. We're really going to see what he's made out of, too, and if he's going to thrive in this system. Trey Sermon, obviously, again, we didn't really see it from him last year. So if he makes the roster this year, I'm with you. I wouldn't cut him based off of where we took him. Having said that, you have to come out here and prove that you can do something because that's the thing is now Trey Sermon, if he does make the roster, he'll get his point at, at some point in time because let's be real here, everybody gets banged up in this in this running back room. Everybody's going to like, there's going to be moments where Elijah Mitchell's going to miss a game or two. Jeff Wilson going to miss a game. Like, you know what I'm saying? It happens. Last year it happened multiple times. But like you said, and like I just said too, if you are the starting running back of this team, you have got to feast because every single running back who has been a part of this team has feasted at some point in time. Raheem Mostert went from nothing to something, and you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. like that because of this system. Matt Breida, same thing, went from nothing to something. Have we heard a peep out of Matt Breida ever since he left San Francisco? Unfortunately not. And Matt Breida's a good running back, but that just says way more about our system. You know what I'm saying? Raheem yeah. went to a great situation in Miami because he knows Mike McDaniel, and Mike McDaniel was a pretty damn big part of Raheem Mostert's success. You know what I'm saying? Look at guys like Tevin Coleman had his best years with Kyle Shanahan in, in Atlanta, comes one year in San Francisco, thrives in San Francisco. Connect the dots here. Trey Sermon, if you make this roster and you get a spot here, you have to show out. If he doesn't show out at some point in time, I, I'm with you. I think it's, it's a wrap next year for sure. But it'll be interesting to see who between him and Hasty. Who ends? Who they end up cutting bait with? But you very well might be right about that. I'm going to the to the old line stuff. I know you touched upon it. I've yet yep. to kind of touch on that. It's, it's you know, it's a situation where it's like I know everyone was kind of tearing it apart, and again, it's preseason. You know, they're like there's no reason to really get that upset about it because they're rookies. You got to understand when you got Aaron Banks and Spencer Burford in here. I like what I've seen out of the two of them. To be real with you. For Spencer Burford in particular, Aaron Banks, obviously we knew that once Lakin left, Aaron Banks was probably going to take over. He's had a year in the system, so it was kind of a natural process for Aaron Banks then to take over the starting role. But Spencer Burford, to come in as a rookie, and I don't even remember when we picked him. Was that the fifth round or something like that? Yep. Pick, yeah, Burford. Uh, fourth round. Fourth rounder. Okay, fourth, fifth rounder. Unless you're a first-round pick... That were like that was you know you're starting right away as was in the case with Mike McGlinchey, for Spencer Burford to come in in the fourth or fifth round and automatically be inserted into into the starting role. Now I get it, Daniel Brunskill's been hurt, so that probably forced him in there. But Brunskill was also taking reps at center at first before he got hurt. He was not taking reps at guard. It was at center first before he got hurt. Now Brendel's taking the snaps at center. For Spencer Burford to come in here and start a guard, that should tell you something. This is, we've said it multiple times on this podcast, this is one of, if not the most hardest offense to learn. For a rookie in your fourth, in a zone run scheme, mind you, in a run first offense, the O-line is incredibly important. For Spencer Burford to be playing with the ones really from the first day of camp, honestly, when you think about it, it was very early on that he was playing with the ones that he has not stopped from there. That's got to tell you something. The stuff that I saw from Spencer Burford, which was like the penalties and it wasn't clean, 
let's be real. He's a fourth round rookie. There's going to be multiple times this season where he's going to have growing pains. It's going to happen, right? And a rare opportunity are you hoping for a guy to come in and play as good as, um, uh, you know, a guy like Tristan Wirfs or a guy, I'm trying to think of the, the dude on the Chargers. Help me out here. I know um, uh, Slater, uh, Rashawn Slater. Yeah. Rashawn yeah. Slater, right? Like a guy like him who will come in for us, you know what I mean? Day one and just well, I mean, dominate. That's first round talent. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Right it, exactly. Whereas Bur- Burford has looked good. Don't get me wrong. I, I think he's deservedly taken that right guard spot. And, you know, it's a bit of a shock as someone, as you said, a fourth round pick, you don't necessarily think they're going to step in right away, especially on the offensive line when usually it's handled by a lot of veterans and talented players. In but Kyle Bert, Shanahan's offense. Yeah, in Kyle hmm. Shanahan's offense, they love using their O-lines. They love switching up uh, their O-line responsibility, especially in the run game. Like there's so much you have to learn, especially with Trey Lance as it. As I said last week, it opens up the playbook so much. There's so much more you have to learn. And to do it all and to be basically awarded the starting uh, right guard position out of camp as a rookie in this offense, it's impressive, man. And, you know, I really think, yeah, there's going to be growing pains, as you said. But if he's able to show that he's able to stay in there and uh, get the work done, he's he's going to be uh, someone to watch out for for the future. And that's exactly what you need when losing, you know, a big guard like uh, Lincoln Tomlinson last year. You need that replacement. And that's exactly what Burford's doing right now. No question. And that's why people have to just, you know, take a minute and relax because he's a rookie and there's going to be growing pains. Same with Aaron Banks. There's going to be a lot of growing pains there. They just need to be really good. Like, honestly, like. You can't put a lot of emphasis on a guy like Trey Lance. If you want to, if you want to give Trey Lance an opportunity to be the best version of himself, Burford and Aaron Banks are going to need to grow up quick. And I said it, I said it in my post game um, recap on the gram after the Texans game, and I mentioned that I said Burford and Banks have looked great throughout camp, no question. Then they've had a good preseason and they struggled mightily against the Texans. That's bound to happen. Having said that, you look at our schedule. You got Chicago week one right? An average D-line. They should be fine. Got Seattle week two. Average D-line. They should be fine. Week three, you go to Denver with a good defensive line. And then the week after that, you got AD coming to town and the Rams. And you know, they're going to come in hot. Burford and Banks are going to like, just to to make sure that like you at least being real here and where with reality, Burford and Banks are going to have to grow up quick. Bottom line. Like, yes, there's going to be growing pains. Yes, they're going to go through some shit. It's going to happen. There's going to be penalties, holding calls, blah, blah, blah. But you can't, like, you can't have a ton of those, especially putting yourselves in bad positions, which happened in the Houston game a lot. You, you're getting a good drive, holding call, now it's first and 15. Kyle Shannon said it multiple times. He's like, the worst thing you could possible do, possibly do is have a penalty on first down and then you're backed up. That just will ruin the entire drive as a whole, right? You get a good play, get a good chunk yard, you're looking at maybe second and four. Instead, holding call, now you're looking at first and 50. That's two different plays and just changes the whole complexion of a drive. It starts with the offensive line. We're solid at left tackle, we know that. If McGlinchey can get his knee all good and rolling, we're solid at both tackles. It's that interior that's the problem, and that's it's not even a problem yet because we haven't even gotten to week one. Like, if we... If we come away from week one in Chicago and our O-line struggles, 
yes, we can then say we have a problem, but we don't have the problem just yet. And I don't think it's fair to say that because we haven't seen them play. As for Jake Brendel, I'm putting him in the same class as Banks and Burford, although he's more experienced. But Jake Brendel also has not had many opportunities to be a starter in a team. So this whole interior offensive line thing, it's, it, it is going to be something interesting. And if I'm Kyle Shannon, I'm going to be honest with you, I know he's using like Daniel Brunskill's the ultimate backup and you can use it. I'm sorry, if Daniel Brunskill's healthy, you got to plug him in somewhere. I don't know where it's going to be, whether it's center or guard or something. Like, you have got to plug him in somewhere because having three experienced O-linemen is better than two. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, this year the interior O-line reminds me of the secondary last year, whereas it looked a bit solid. We came in saying they could do well, but if they start taking penalties and they start, as we were saying, like in last year, if the cornerbacks miss coverage and they let big plays happen, we're going to be in trouble. If the interior of our line can't stop defensive tackles, especially you're facing Aaron Donald twice a year, you're facing the 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 Cardinals twice a year. They have a good defensive line. You're you're facing the AFC West, which is the I toughest division it. in all of football. Yeah, like you're gonna get tested. You're gonna get tested. Maybe you won't get tested the first two weeks with the Bears and the Seahawks, and that's a good thing. You you want to mm-hmm. trans you want to ease into it, especially in the regular season. It's different than the preseason. Everyone knows that the Bears have somewhat of a decent. Uh, the Bears have nothing. The Bears are not that. See <laughs> the, the Seahawks are you know they're all right. They're Same defensive. thing. Average. Yeah, it's it's average. It's nothing special, and that's what you want before facing the Broncos, who have a great defense and who have a good offense. So. It, again, the, the first couple of weeks are going to be telling because if they're already struggling against teams like the Bears and the Seahawks, they're going to struggle mightily against better teams like the Broncos, like the Rams, like the Chargers, like all of these teams that we're going to have to face. So it's really, as you, yeah, if Brunskill's healthy and Burford, Banks, or Brendel are struggling, he has to slot in anywhere there. And the good thing about Brunskill is he is that super utility guy like in baseball where he can play every single position. He can play every single position on the offensive line. So he is there to kind of swap in if we need him to. But yeah, the first couple weeks, they have to be solid. And if they're not solid, that's a concern. No question. And and that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm looking at the Bears D line right now. The only dude that I recognize is Robert Quinn. Everyone out they let they let Akeem Hicks walk in free agency. Like they they literally have nobody. So this they got rid of uh oh what's his name on the D line or uh, outside linebacker. Oh, what's his name? From the Raiders and the Bears and now he's on the Chargers. Khalil Mack. Oh yeah, Khalil Mack. Khalil yeah, Mack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So yeah, the Bears aren't really a problem. The Seahawks no. aren't really a problem off like defensive line wise. So Although Jamal Adams will come in there for a sack or something like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, if he's even healthy. But, I mean, yeah, yeah there's yeah. always that situation, too. But I think yeah, the offensive line is probably the only thing that I'm, like, honestly worried about going into this season. Everything else, yeah. I mean, I think we're fine. But that will, like, if we – exactly. And if we want Trey to be the best version of himself – Spencer Burford, Jake Brandell, and Aaron Banks are going to need to earn their money because – 
it's it's yeah, like you said, it's a tough schedule. You got to grow up quick. You got two easy opponents to start the season, and then things going to get harder. Then you get a little bit of a break, and you're going to get Carolina and Atlanta after that. But then it's going to get harder again. So you're going to have to grow up quick. They're going to have to play good football, and we got to be able to run the football. So a lot of emphasis, honestly, goes on those three guys more than honestly I could say about Trey Lance because Trey Lance can't do his job if those three can't do theirs. You know what I'm saying? Luckily, we've got the greatest left tackle to play the damn game. So that, at least at the bare minimum, goes for something because Trent Williams, I'll be real with you, as for Spencer Burford and Jason Poe in particular, the reason why they have been so successful this offseason is because they've been playing with Big Trent and they've been training with him. Trent Williams is just not only like one of the most entertaining old linemen to watch, but like he's an incredible leader on this football team cannot even like water that down a little bit like he is a heck of a leader to have him around as a captain and have him sign for another what like four or five years or what it is huge for these young guys so yes banks and burford and brendel are going to struggle but we got big trend and left tackle to not only anchor the o-line but help these dudes get better so O-line, man, that's going to be something else uh, this uh, coming this season. And then on the defensive side, there's not really much to kind of go into depth here. I think we already kind of talked about the safety position. That's kind of it. Um, but in terms of guys who are going to make the the roster, I think really the only glaring thing for me before we wrap this up is, is I think, who's going to start at nickel. And I think Sammy Womack might just be that guy. Yeah, I think it's going to be between Womack and D'Amador Lenore. Uh, I think they both had a decent uh, or a good preseason. I think Womack surprised every single person who has watched the Niners game. Uh, and, you know, again, as third-round value, kind of like Spencer Burford, that's great value. And it shows that you can trade your first-round pick and still have success in the draft in the later rounds. And I think that's been a key for the Niners regime. They may not have always hit on their first-round picks, but they have found so much success in the later rounds with Fred Warner, with George Kittles, to con- just to name a few. Dre Greenlaw, Aziz Alshire. Like, our defense is basically locked except for nickel, and I guess that second safety position considering Jimmy Ward's injured. So it, it shows you like how important it is to take the draft seriously and find those gems in the draft. And I hope Sam Womack comes out there and dominates just like he did in the preseason. And that's another uh, gem that we found in the draft. I do think they may lean towards D'Amador just because he's been here for a full season. And he has that, uh, you know, press kind of defense that you look for in the nickel. But I would love to see Womack. I think the thing about uh, our corners this year, I think there's going to be a, more of a rotation in the corners, kind of like the defensive line, to A, keep people healthy and fresh, and B, because we have that depth. We have Womack, who's kind of out there being like, yeah, man, I, I, I'm I, matter too. I'm going to come out here. I'm going to compete. And Diomedor Lenore was competing too. I think they're going to split time in the nickel. Ambry Thomas is another guy. I think he's going to be out there and help out Charvarius Ward and Emmanuel Mosley on a different – uh, set. So I, I really think it's, you know, seeing the depth, it really is a bit uh, reassuring. Whereas last year we were looking at the secondary being like, uh, is Diomedor Lenore going to get a start? Is Ambry Thomas going to get a start? And that scared the living crap out of us. So I love that we have depth this year. Oh yeah. Last year, I mean, it came down to Josh Norman 
playing majority of the year at down there. And again, I'm going to say that, but having said that, Josh Norman came up with one of the most clutch plays yep. in that Packers playoff game. So I'm not going to talk smack about him, but obviously you don't want to have to, you know, rely on a washed up Josh Norman at that point. So no question. Our corner situation is far better this year than it is last year. And it looks like Charvarius Ward is going to be ready to go for um, next Sunday against the Bears. So that's definitely a massive plus. And then if E-Man can get back out there as well, that's going to be huge. And then JV is going to come back at some point. Got Ambry back there, you know, as a backup. It's in Dante Johnson. So a lot there. And I'm with you. I think I wouldn't be surprised if they rotate the nickel a little bit. Corners true. I mean, you mentioned that a few episodes ago too, and I wouldn't be shocked if they did that as well. Um, but for nickel, I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of rotated that as well. And they went with Womack some plays, Lenore some plays, like depending on what he's seeing. D'Amico Ryans has a lot of options, which is rare that you see that on the defense, that you have a lot of different depth guys that you can kind of plug and play really all over the place from D-line all the way to the secondary. We got depth pieces left, right, and center. So I'm excited to see what they what they end up doing. Like I, I like Lenore. I like what we saw out of him last year. He struggled at times, but he made some really good plays. I've been really impressed with Sammy Womack. So I'm really excited to see him in this defense because I feel like he's going to thrive in what D'Amico Ryans has in store because the way that K1 played the nickel was physical, aggressive, in your face. I see a lot of traits of that in Sammy Womack, which gets me excited. And I know that I think we found the dude to replace K1 Williams type thing. But I know what you're saying about Lenore. He has some of those traits as well. But I just feel like I see it more in Womack. But we'll find out. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree with you. I think that uh, it's going to be a, you know, a switch between those two. I think they're going to carve out majority of the nickel roll for the season. But yeah, I'm excited to see who wins out that battle because Yes, they battled during the preseason, but I don't think that battle's done. I think Womack really surprised people. I thought I thought it was Diomedor's job to lose to start uh, the preseason, and he n- didn't necessarily lose it, but he didn't necessarily win it, especially with how strong Samuel Womack came out. So uh, it'll be interesting to see going into week one who starts and how uh, the defense looks. No question. No question. Well, that'll do it for this episode, ladies and gents, but That was something. There's a lot to talk about here. Garoppolo is still a Niner, and we're going to find out who gets cut. I believe it's tomorrow at 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. I believe the roster cuts. So for next week's episode, not only will we be previewing week one Niners-Bears, but we'll also take a look at the roster cuts and see if there were any big surprises there or not. So that'll do it from this episode of the 49 Away Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter for more Niners news and analysis. And next week, we preview week one, baby. It's this regular season time, and we'll see y'all next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 49 Away Podcast. We got a lot more Niners content coming your way, so make sure to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more 49ers news and analysis.